Hello and welcome to episode 31 of iPhone Life Podcast. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher of iPhone Life Magazine. I'm Donna Cleveland, editor-in-chief of iPhone Life Magazine. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, senior web editor of iPhoneLife.com. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about Apple's earnings. Is this the end of Apple or a little blip on the screen? And we have a security expert with us today, and we're going to interview him and find out all the do's and don'ts for your iPhone security. But first, let me tell you guys about a contest. We're doing a contest. We're giving away an iPad Pro. Actually, we're giving away two nice. iPad Pros. I'm so jealous. I want one, but I'm I not know. eligible. I, you know, I actually won a contest one time. Did I tell you guys this? <laughs> no. No. So how, how our contests work is you get, not only do you get a prize for winning the contest, if you referred the person who won the contest, you also win a prize. So in this case, you get an iPad Pro. I think it's an iPad Pro in both cases. I'll have to double check that. Yes, Okay. So if you win the contest, if we draw your name, you win an iPad Pro. Uh, This is the 9.7 inch. You get the keyboard and the pencil. But if your friend signs up from the contest and you had referred them, Mm -hmm. you also win an iPad Pro. So what happened was I shared it with my friends to get them to sign up for the contest, Mm -hmm. not thinking about the fact that I was entering the contest by doing that. My friend won, Uh and and so I, I won by default. Uh, Only you did not get I was, the prize. No, I wasn't allowed. The contest rules specifically prohibit me from winning. <laughs> <laughs> so I was upset about that. But you guys can win. Go to iphonelife.com slash podcast. And I should mention this is a co-sponsored contest. So we're giving away an iPod along with Stack Social, who is our partner in this contest. The second thing I'm going to tell you guys about is iPhone Life tip of the day. If you haven't signed up, make sure you go do that. Uh, it's a free tip emailed to you every day. Uh, it tells you something cool you can do with your iPhone. So iphonelife.com slash daily tip to subscribe. And what was you guys' favorite tip from this week? So this tip is an all-time favorite. It really changed things for me with my iPhone. And that's how to keep your messages private. Um, if any of you have had the what experience... What kind of messages do you <laughs> I think maybe you're overselling this one. No. no. changed my life. It actually, changed my life. Knowing some of your friends, I can totally... <laughs> I can guess why this helped you. All right. I'm not even going to try to read into that. Don't. Let's let's just move right along here. I like all your friends. (laughs) So if you've ever noticed, if you don't have this feature enabled, you'll notice when you get text messages, they'll pop up on your lock screen and you'll see a preview of what the message said. So to enable this feature, go to settings, notifications, and then scroll down to messages. And if you go to the bottom of the screen there, you'll see show previews under your messages options. And so you just want to toggle that off. And then you'll just see when you have a text message, it'll just say iMessage and it won't tell you what's in the message. I'm curious. Um, I have that feature toggled on. Um, It really helps me decide whether or not to ignore my children's messages or not (laughs) when they text me at work. Mm. But what about you, David? Like, what's your stance on this? I have it off, uh, but I frequently regret that decision <laughs> as much as I make fun of Donna, as much as I was making fun of Donna for how much it changed her life. Um, yeah, it's definitely a decent thing to do. It just depends. I mean, especially if you have like, if, if you have kids and people who are going to obviously ignore your privacy, definitely turn it on. Mm-hmm. I generally, A, don't have a lot of text message, co- message conversations that are private and B, I don't have kids or people who I'm that worried about privacy around, but 
I was just thinking as you were talking mm-hmm. that maybe I should go turn it on. <laughs> yeah, I just found this to be a nice... Uh, I just like to not have to worry about what people are sending me. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Absolutely. I have such scandalous people <laughs> in my life. Or maybe I'm really scandalous. <laughs> well, I also feel like the the area that drives me crazy that I really should go change is... I have iMessage set up on my computer, which is a lot mm. more cause mm. for like, because it's like very rarely, are, I guess part of why I don't worry about my phone is I usually just keep my phone face down and I have an Apple Watch, so it's mm. rare that people are going to see it. But right. often I'm doing a project where somebody's working with me on my computer and then all my iMessages just pop up in the right-hand corner. I'm actually remembering once I borrowed your iPad to do a tip and a friend of yours was texting you and I was like, I really don't want to see this. <laughs> I mean, it was nothing like scandalous, but it was like, it felt weird because those are a private thing, even mm-hmm. though there was nothing that I think you would have been upset that I saw. Yeah, no, it definitely feels weird. And I definitely find, like, I, I don't like reading other people's texts, but if I'm sitting there and there's a phone right next to me and a text flashes up, it's like, I read it before I realize that, like, what I'm doing and then I'm looking at somebody else's phone. I'm like, oh, what's that motion? Oh, shoot, I just noticed this text message. So yeah, even right. if you are around non-nosy people, uh, I'm, I'm pretending like I'm non-nosy, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> You're so nosy. Don't even pretend. I don't like to read people's text messages. I don't think I do that intentionally. Anyway, moving right along, uh, let's get into our insider questions. And if you haven't heard of Insider, uh, iPhone Life Insider is our premium subscription service. So and it's awesome. And it's awesome. So every day we'll email you a video tip teaching you something cool that you can do with your phone and a video that goes along with it that shows you step by step how to do that. We release in-depth video guides bi-weekly with uh, topics, in-depth exploring different topics. We're coming out with the privacy guide uh, this week. Yeah, Sunday. What, what's in the privacy guide, Donna? So this guide just teaches you how to use all of the security features that Apple has provided to us, including like how to set a strong passcode, whether or not to enable the feature that deletes everything on your phone after 10 failed passcode attempts, and also whether like two-step verification is a feature you can use to make your iCloud uh, purchases more safe and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why, of course, we have an interview today with a guest. Is We'll have a full interview on the privacy guide with this person. It's a video interview. Uh, mm-hmm. So in addition to the interview in the podcast. Yeah. So it's, putting this together, I learned a lot too, just about all the things you can do just to make your phone a little safer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in addition to those two things, you get a subscription to the magazine, a digital subscription to the magazine, I should say. And finally, you get to ask us questions. So email us and ask us questions, and we'll email you back. And we read them on air, our favorite ones. Sarah, what was your favorite question from this week? Um, well, this is actually from last week, but I really liked it. it I'm going to summarize it because we emailed back and forth many times, but... I think this is an issue that anyone who uses iBooks maybe has encountered. So this is from um, in, an insider named Bob, and he wants to know he wanted to know how to manage the syncing of his iBooks to his iDevices from iTunes. And specifically, we had a tip last week about how to uh, put your Kindle books or your iBooks into read and unread collections because neither ebook platform really has a good way to separate, mm-hmm. you know, filter your read and unread books. And 
you know, maybe if you read books you buy right away, that's not a problem. But if you are kind of addicted to buying books and pre-order books mm -hmm. and then like they just, like bunches of them just randomly show up on your phone all the time. Or sometimes I'll get halfway through a book and I'll get a little bored and I'll take a break, but then right. I'll like want to go back to it at some point. So definitely it's nice to be able to sort that. Or I'll see mm -hmm. a book that's like, oh my God, that book's 99 cents and I buy it and then I don't read it for two years. So, mm -hmm. you know, we all have reasons that we have unread books lingering and it's not always easy to find them. And so I'll, I'll link to that tip. But his question was, since he likes to sync his iBooks from iTunes onto both of his devices, how would he do it with, how would he do that with the collections? And so just to summarize what I told him, one, you can't manage your collections over iTunes. Um, so sorry, but really that's not a problem because you don't need to sync with iTunes in order to keep your iBooks up to date. What you need to do is um, you need to go into, you need to set your book, your iBooks to automatically download to all your devices and then you won't have to worry about syncing them with iTunes. So you can do that um, by going into uh, the, the settings for um, the App Store and iTunes, and you just turn on automatic downloads for iBooks. And then uh, probably a good idea is to go and make sure right below that option to toggle off using cellular data so it only happens on Wi-Fi. Mm. Um, and then the second thing you need to do is you need to go into settings and go into iBook settings, and you need to set your bookmarks and notes and your collections to sync. And then once you've done those things, Anything you purchase in iTunes or on one device will show up on your other device. Any collections you create on one device will show up on your other device. And when you leave off reading a book on one device, you can open up your other device and finish it there. So that's the solution for managing your iBooks, which is... I wish I could say that sounded easy. I know they don't make it easy, do they? But that's, no, that's it's why... It's really I'm... a little bit complicated, but once you set those things up, you won't even have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. It, and it's a, it's a great solution for the problem. All right. Um, so before we get into our main two topics, let's talk about uh, things we learned this week slash complaints. Who wants to go first? I can go first. Go for it, Donna. <laughs> I was having an issue last week and where I kept on texting an old phone number for a friend. Mm -hmm. And I realized I'd been doing this for a while because both the numbers were very similar. And so I just wasn't realizing that I was doing it. And so I deleted, I had deleted this old number from my contacts. So I thought that would take care Ooh. of it, but it didn't. So what I did is I just went in and found the old message thread where I, the, where I kept on texting in my messages app and I deleted that thread. And then when I started a new messages thread, it didn't show up anymore. Now when, with that thread, was their name tied to it? Like if you search no. like their name, okay. So you just were doing it based on the number as opposed to the mm. name. Oh no, How I guess that th I started typing in her name yeah. in messages and that, that number popped so that's up. Like a right. bug. I was confused because who knows anyone's phone number I know. anymore. <laughs> no. So that's what's so weird about it is like I deleted the contact and I only had the new con the, the only the new number associated with her name. Oh. But in the messages app somehow it's a bug where like and I've had other people have this same issue and talk yes, to me I've about it. I've heard from people about where this if you, too. So but if you do delete any messages 
including group messages with that number involved or any messages to that number in your messages app, then you shouldn't have that problem anymore. Okay, so we have a, a complaint, which is a bug and a solution. So if yeah. you have this problem, go into your messages and delete all of your text messages from that person from the old phone number and then you won't have them show up anymore. Yeah, and you can do this by just when you, from the message preview pane, just swipe left on the message thread and you'll have an option to delete. Now, if there's some uh, conversations in that message thread that you really want to save, unfortunately, Apple doesn't really make it that easy to save them, um, but you can take maybe screenshots of like the hilarious interaction mm -hmm. you had about, you know, three months ago or whatever, and that way you won't necessarily lose them completely. In this case, it would just be me messaging and then being like, <laughs> question mark, no response. <laughs> I had a similar thing happen with a friend who had a different phone number, except for someone else had gotten that phone number. And I remember asking, are we still meeting today? And they texted back, no. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's so mean. I know. That's really Fortunately, funny. Fortunately, I didn't see that message until we, she and I were already together. But, um, Could you, okay. If you have iMessage on your computer, could you like highlight all of them and then copy and paste them? That's not an easy thing to do on your phone, but I feel like on your computer you might be able to do that. No, I've never tried that. Yeah, I haven't tried it either. I think you should try it, David. Yeah, and get back all to right, us I next will. podcast. I get back to you guys. <laughs> I've never had any use to like, I don't have exciting enough text messages to try to, to like save. save a thread. What? Are you saying that you don't find my text messages really funny and awesome and worth saving? <laughs> I'm saying I find them so <laughs> awesome that I would never delete them, Sarah. <laughs> good save, David. Just, just I don't, don't believe you, but that's a yeah, good save. Yeah, just don't change your phone number. <laughs> um, my complaint for the week Actually, I have a bonus complaint because I've complained about this before, so I don't feel entitled to add this as a new complaint, but it's related to this, which is uh, I find searching text messages to be like terrible. It is terrible. I it's totally very unreliable. Yeah. I just had it today where I was searching two I have like a group of two people that I was texting for something. I searched one person's name and it didn't show up. And then I had to search the other person's name to get it to show up, but it was like... It had both people's names in the text message thread. You know what can help is um, naming the the group conversation. Yeah, I normally do that, but it seems silly in this case because it was just two people that I happened to want to text that I had texted recently. Yeah, unless it's an ongoing yeah. thing that you're... Because, yeah, I've named my ongoing group conversation with my daughter. As... Mm. So, yeah, bonus complaint for you. But my <laughs> real complaint for the week is... So uh, with iOS 9, I think it's happened in iOS 9, Apple added this cool feature where you can set your iOS to upgrade overnight. So if they come up with, come out with, say, iOS 9.3, you can, rather than up, upgrading it uh, when you push the button to upgrade it, which then, of course, your phone like kind of goes dead for like half an hour. Uh, God forbid we should be without our phones for half an hour. <laughs> yes, that would be terrible. It would be awful. I'm so glad you guys understand this situation. <laughs> you can say upgrade t tonight. And then what it does is in the middle of the night when your phone is charging, it'll upgrade for you so that you don't have to deal with half an hour without your phone. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem with that is when you do that, uh, once it upgrades, it brings you to the, like, the hello page. Like, you know how when you upgrade mm -hmm. your phone, it's like kind of like, like you have to reset up a few things? Yeah. 
You mean update? Sorry, I've been sitting here listening oh, to you say upgrade, upgrade the yeah. whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. You just interrupt me the first time if you're going to interrupt me. <laughs> well, I didn't interrupt you didn't know the first it time, continue. and then it just went right, on and on, right, and it was right. getting really painful. All right, update, right? Update. Thank you. Okay, so when you update your phone. Uh, so the, here's my complaint. When you update your phone overnight, if you have an alarm that's supposed to wake you up the next morning, it will not do so. Really? Yeah. It's like the alarm gets turned off with the updated iOS until you like log in for the first time. So that's why you were late that one day. <laughs> that that, that one day meaning totally day. <laughs> never happened to me. Really? Mm. But the thing is, I usually wake up before my alarm, mm. which I don't. And then but... you wouldn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's, a really that's obnoxious crazy, thing. Though. Yeah, yeah, that's good to know. I have, I have my iPad alarm wake me up. And so whenever I update my update, my iOS on my iPad, it's like... I just have to remember to wake up the next morning. <laughs> right. At this point, I can just see you setting, like, I have my Apple Watch alarm on and my iPhone alarm. And... Uh-huh. Oh, that's another complaint. The Apple Watch alarm does not wake me up. No. Do you, are you wearing your Apple Watch? No. Well, yeah. I mean, I but feel like the alarm... But you can set the tone up, oh, but it's okay. still I've really never tried quiet. That. I've never it's... tried that. That can be going off for hours without me noticing <laughs> it. Yeah, the Apple Watch alarm I find best for... Things you want to be reminded of during the day. When yeah, like our morning meeting. Because it's, it's very unobtrusive because alarms can be obnoxious mm-hmm. to the people around you. But yeah. Yeah, as a waking up thing, it's not terrible. So much, not so yeah. much. All right, Sarah, what's your complaint or did you learn something? I don't have a complaint. Oh, I have something I'm really enjoying okay. and I I love it. So um, I've really been enjoying all of the optional mailboxes you can enable in iOS mail. Ah. Um, you so, mean Apple Mail? I decided to get you back. Yes, thank you. In the mail app on your iPhone, um, if you're in the mailboxes view and you tap edit, you'll see a list of all these things um, and you can enable them. So there's, you can enable a a flagged mailbox where any messages that you flagged, you can just tap open that mailbox and you'll just see the messages you flagged. But there's also an unread one, so you can just only see messages you haven't read yet. And there's an attachments one, so you can only see messages that have attachments. Or there's a today one, so you can just see the emails you've gotten today. And I kind of really love it and just want to check my email all the time now. <laughs> so that's my thing. That's really cool. I like. I think we did a tip on that a while back. And We've I'd... done variations on the different mailboxes. Yeah, but... but I never really got into it. Now maybe I'll get into it. Yeah, but when you really yeah. look at the possibilities and the way it allows you to just really quickly filter your email just by opening a specific mailbox, it's pretty exciting because email is so tedious, like dealing with all of the emails. Mm-hmm. I like this especially for drafts, like being able to see all the – because a lot I, – I, create a lot of drafts You're a I drafter. guess yeah I am I'm not a drafter I'm a drafter and so it's nice <laughs> I like to, to draft get to those too. yeah <laughs> I don't know it's because you guys are writers I try to get emails done as quickly as possible <laughs> I like to do drafts and really like proofread them first and then if, send them if I don't send an email within like the first try of writing it that email will just never be sent <laughs> like the things that are in draft will just stay in draft forever <laughs> I send I spend way too much time on like crafting emails that aren't that important <laughs> if you're ever wondering why i've missed my deadline david it's because i was writing an email that wasn't important uh, okay good to know <laughs> but All it was right. really like well like you know, i'm correct. sure it's really well written yeah i mean you guys are you know professional writers here <laughs> okay so donna you do drafts but you can't access them before now you couldn't access them easily in your mail app from your phone and now you'll be able to 
Exactly. Okay. See, I flag emails. I used to flag emails to reply to, but then it wasn't easy to access them. Now it is. Now it is, and I'm going to try doing that again. I'm really good about flagging emails, not so good about unflagging emails. <laughs> and I really love, I think I've talked about this before, I love the VIP mailbox because mm-hmm. you can select certain senders um, to have their emails directed to that um, inbox. And the th- reason I love it is because I don't have my mail notifications turned on because that's crazy. You get so many emails mm-hmm. every day. But you can turn on notifications just for that inbox. I enjoy that a lot too. Which is great because maybe you do want to know when you get emails from specific people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. All right. Moving right along to our favorite apps in gear from the week. What do you guys got? I have two competing ones. Sarah, I'll let you go first. I'm just so excited to have my Apple Watch back. I was really sad without it. So that's my favorite gear. That's your favorite gear gear for for the week. (laughs) It's my favorite gear for my life. (laughs) Yeah, I love my Apple Watch. I have to say. Yeah, I kind of was taking it for granted. But then living without it was like all the things just, I guess I'm really lazy, but having to like go, you know, across the office the other day when an alarm went off on my phone and it was on my desk instead of just turning it off from my wrist or having to pull out my phone to look at the weather or, but just getting, you know, I was missing all of my text messages mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know what point there is in actually like doing any exercise since nothing's tracking it. So. <laughs> Today was the middle of the afternoon and I like suddenly realized I needed to like do something on my phone and I couldn't find it and it was in my coat pocket. And I'd left in my coat pocket all day, and it's because of my Apple Watch. It's like if a notification happens, I know I can see it, and then I don't have to like carry my phone around with me all day. But of course, it's very easy to find your misplaced phone too, because you can yeah, ping it from your Apple Watch, true. which this I is do true. a lot actually. <laughs> I wish you could do the other way around though, that you could uh... ping your Apple Watch. Do you lose yeah, your Apple Watch? Yeah, <laughs> I've misplaced my Apple Watch a couple of times in the oh. house. Yeah, it like slid between a couch cushion. Different things like that. See, I it's either on my wrist or it's on the charger. Mm. Yeah, you have remember my claustrophobic wrist, body. guys. Oh yeah. Every <laughs> once in a while, this. once I've hit my activity for the day, actually, you just sometimes take I'll it take off? it off because I'll be like, oh, mission accomplished. <laughs> at night, because especially at night, like you know, you get into your PJs, watch TV, yeah, but, take off your Apple Watch. What about doubling your move goal? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that never I've happens never come for me. Close to doing that. <laughs> I've done that, but my move goal is really embarrassing low. So mine too. Yeah. I think that my my record for like hitting my move goal was fourteen days in a row or something. But most of the time, I I, I like I get barely like three ever days in get a row. it. Oh, yeah. No, that's not true. Because when I work out, I'll get it, and then days I don't work out, I don't. What yeah. is your move goal? I don't want to review reveal yeah, that like on air. What their weight is or something. <laughs> no, my I'll, I'll reveal. It. It's like. It's not that high. It's like 4,400, 4,500, something like that. Or sorry, no. 450. That's pretty high. Okay. Yeah, because mine's like that. Makes you feel that. A little better. Just okay, to give good. you an idea, I like today I've done 379 active calories, but that's almost four and a half miles, and that's almost 9,000 steps. So Yeah, that's a lot. So 450 like non- active yeah. calories is actually really high. Yeah, and I, I do that like if I days I work out and I work out, you know, try to work out three to four times a week, then I'll I'll like surpass that pretty easily. And days I don't, mm-hmm. I'll be well under. So mm-hmm. that's another complaint. Yeah. Three complaints for me this well, week. Well, that's why I decided to go with a low uh, move goal, which is significantly lower than yours. 
because I wanted to meet my move goal even on the days when the only thing I do is like walk my dogs and then lie on the couch some more. Mm, so yeah, uh, I guess I just which is why my record is over thirty days. <laughs> That's impressive. Good work. Did you get like a medal yeah. for that or something? Yeah, you get totally useless, pointless, like little like twirling little, yeah metal like, achievement badges. <laughs> but it does make you feel kind of good. It totally does. It's so sad. <laughs> Okay, guys. <laughs> Apple earnings. Oh, oh, oh did, did, yeah, yeah, my shoot. favorite apps in gear. I don't think did I? I don't think I even shared no, mine. No, I totally Sorry, got you we off got, topic. We got way Apple off watch. topic there. All right, Donna, what? what was your favorite app or gear this week? So I uh, downloaded the title app uh, oh. after you know Beyonce's visual album Lemonade came out a few days ago, and I I missed. I guess you could watch it on YouTube for a few days, but I couldn't find it on there. It's on HBO Go, by the way, too. Okay. Yeah. If you, um, if you have HBO Go. This is really I important don't. information. Yeah. We all need to know how to watch this. I've actually yeah, never so I was, watched it. I was wanting to watch it. I watched it last night. So I downloaded Tidal and I'm doing the 30-day free trial. And so I think that part of Beyonce's goal here was to get people to oh, pay. to you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so if I like Tidal, it'll be cool to see. Maybe I'll stay on. But either way, you can do the free trial and listen to it what, for free as long as you... What's your initial opinion? Of Tidal? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that it has Beyonce's album. I, <laughs> that's pretty much all I've done in it so far. Um, but I mean, it, it seems like to have a nice user layout. But I'll have to let you guys know once I've used it a little bit more. So, yeah, that would so be interesting used, to hear. I did the same thing for Kanye's album when it came uh. out. Never listened to it. Forgot to cancel and got charged twenty five dollars. Oh man! <laughs> and then Kanye's album came to Spotify, which I already subscribed to. <laughs> so I hate title. <laughs> well, David, there's this thing called like the Reminders app, and every time I sign up for a free trial mm, before the auto renew, I set a, a reminder for the day I before. Tip. Yeah. I know. I'm like, remind me to cancel this yeah. in twenty eight days, and then you can still choose if you end up loving it. You can choose to not cancel, he, but at least but you won't it's get a choice. Here's what happened, it. though. Actually, then. Prince passed away, and his music is only in title as well. And so I already had it because I'd paid for it at this point. Mm-hmm. And so I listened to Prince for a long time, and I was happy about it. So it all the worked end. out in the end. It all worked yeah. out in the end, except for for Prince, which is very yeah, sad. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. But it, it, his music's so great. It was really I enjoyed listening to it again. It was it, never mm-hmm. mind. I was going to get us all, all on another tangent, but we've had a lot of tangents today, so <laughs> I'll avoid I'll avoid getting into that tangent. All right. Oh, mine. So mine's kind of a silly one this week because um, I haven't tried a lot of apps, new apps and gear this week. But a friend of mine developed an app. And normally I don't, you know, talk about my friend's apps, except for this time I actually think it's pretty funny um, and cool. It's called Flippy Coin. Have I told you guys about this? No. Yeah. So basically in the app, you download the app and you flip the coin. And the goal is to see how many heads you can get in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so my friend, he's a math teacher, so it's a little bit of like a joke with statistics, but also kind of making fun of how games try to like mess with your psychology to, to get that addiction. Mm. And like, it's funny because it's like, even though you're just flipping a coin, you find yourself being addicted to it. You're like, oh, three heads. Can I get a fourth? And it's like exactly like, and he actually did the probabilities where it's like each time is equal probability of yes or no. Um so I remember anyway. being forced to flip coins in math class. Really? So yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's called Flippy Coin 3D, and if you want some, it's free. If you want some really mindless entertainment, it's it's kind of fun actually. It's surprisingly fun, and it's also a nice little exercise in, in watching how your brain gets addicted to things. <laughs> I'll check it out. Yeah. 
Okay, Apple's earnings. So who wants to summarize what happened? I want you to summarize it, David. Oh, man, I don't have the numbers in mm -hmm. front of me. We should have had the numbers in front of me. So Apple basically reported their first earnings loss in 13 years, which yeah. is an unbelievable streak. And that's that's comparing year over year. So their Q2 earnings, which they just announced, uh, they reported lower earnings this year than last year uh, at the same time. Not only that, uh, for the first time ever, they had a decrease year over year in iPhone sales. Um, now, that's not technically true because one time, like, the iPhone was announced the day after the quarter, blah, blah, blah. But for practical purposes, mm -hmm. first time we've actually seen a decrease in iPhone sales. They also failed to meet their earnings ex forecast. So Wall Street, of course, forecasts what their earnings and revenue will be, and they failed to meet both of those forecasting goals. And the forecast wasn't very optimistic anyway, yeah, right? So they exactly. they it already was, were expected to have their first down quarter. They were expected to have their first down quarter, and they were even lower than expected. Right. So after that, Apple stock, of course, tanked. I think it was down 7% the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, we're not stock analysts, so we're not going to get too much into... P.E. ratio and things like that, but we're going to talk about this from a business perspective and from a following the industry perspective and say, is this the beginning of the end for Apple? Should we, how seriously should we take this? But Sarah, it looks like you have some numbers for us. I just pulled up um, a blog post that was on our site, uh, just sort of summarizing what happened. I'm not sure that Did there's Did I any... miss anything? No, not really. I mean, you're just giving... You know, I, I I don't know. I don't think that there's anything in this article that you didn't really cover, except for maybe very specific numbers. But one interesting thing about this quarter is it ended March 26th, a few days before the iPhone SE started mm. shipping. So this okay. does not include sales of the iPhone I SE, was wondering that. which will be interesting to see next quarter if that helps boost iPhone sales. And iPhone sales, it's still 65% of Apple's revenue they mm -hmm. get from their iPhone, which it's going to be hard to for them to replace that with any new product, I think. Mm -hmm. But so. I'm just wondering, do you think that this is just, um, do you think this is really just Apple's problem, or is this just sort of the smartphone industry's problem? Like, You know, it's funny because it's kind of one in the same. If you look at, like, Android versus iOS in the, the share, I think it's it's close to 50-50 still. I think Apple mm -hmm. in the U.S. is winning that a little bit. But if you look at profits, Apple gets 91% of the profits from the smartphone industry. So really, right. it's both. I mean, I don't think anybody else yeah, is like making Apple much is money. Apple is the smartphone industry yeah. in that way. I mean, Microsoft, obviously, micro Windows on on the I almost windows to windows on the iPhone. Windows on the smartphone isn't doing much. Android, while it's popular, Google doesn't make a lot of money from Android because they're letting people use it for free or licensing it for a small amount. And none of the other manufacturers like LG or Samsung are really that profitable from it. So Right. From what I can see, it seems like Apple I mean, saying the beginning of the end for Apple sounds so doomsday, but I do think that unless they, they come up with a new product category that is a really big hit, they're not going to be able to continue to have growing uh, revenue because, mm -hmm. like, you know, the smartphone industry is slowing down in sales. Mm -hmm. And so, like, even if they each new update, if a lot of people are upgrading, that helps. But I don't think that that, that 
number is going to turn around unless they have a new innovative product. I mean, it just seems like smartphones are just all the changes that you see are so incremental. Yeah. And they've kind of, it's a very sort of established, like what a smartphone is. Nobody's making huge changes that revolutionize the way we think about our smartphones anymore. They're just like, oh, look, we added touch ID and, you know, which is cool, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not like Mm -hmm. shaking the world of smartphones or anything. Yeah. It seems like it's going to be putting some pressure on Apple to, innovate. Yeah, yeah. So I'm writing my article this for this issue on this topic. So I've I've given it some thought and done some research mm-hmm. on this and stuff. And one one thing that was interesting is I mean, first of all, 13 years of growth is just phenomenal. I know. It's unbelievable. And when you think about it, it makes sense because Apple's just had such a string of these innovative products i mean dating back to the apple II, which was you know the first one of the first and obviously apple one and apple two are one of the first personal pcs mm-hmm. to um imac which was a home run and then you look at the ipod the iphone and then followed by um the uh ipad, iPad thanks yeah. so in that 13 years is the ipad uh, is the ipod iphone and the iPad. So those are really amazing. And they were all huge hits. Yeah, I mean, the iPad was a huge hit, but it's not really been like a super strong driver of sales or... It doesn't make up for anywhere near the percentage of revenue, but it helps, you know, when you add that in as a revenue stream, it helps, it certainly is growth, you know? Right, Right. like the Apple Watch isn't even, Mm -hmm. you know, near where the iPad is in terms of revenue. So... One thing that was interesting that I did in, for my article that we unfortunately won't be out for a little while, guys, so we'll have to post this, update you guys and post it on a future podcast. We'll probably put it online eventually, but if you subscribe to the magazine, of course, you'll get it. But I, I plotted out the sales and units for the iPod, the iPad, and the iPhone, and, and they all follow the trend you'd expect them to. They're kind of the typical bell curve. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the iPhone, what you see is you see it starting in 2014, it starts, sales growth starts to slow and it starts to reach that peak of the bell curve. And then 2015, you see this huge spike upward. And, and what that was, was growth in China. In mm. 2015, there was this huge growth in China. It was like 100% revenue growth in China that kind of masked the beginning of the slowing of the iPhone sales. Hmm. And then 2016, uh, there are a few dynamics at play in China that are hurting Apple. First of all, there is uh, Hong Kong represents a large percentage of the sales in the Hong Kong uh, the currency there is linked to the dollar, and it's a really strong dollar right now, which makes it hard for... Um, it means that the devices, the iPhones, are more expensive. They're practically more expensive for them, yes. Mm. In addition to that, there's been a lot of manu- Chinese manufacturers coming out with more and more competitive phones, um, right. which is really undercutting Apple. So that's hurting Apple, and that alone made up for something like 50% of the decrease in revenue was just from looking at China. Um, Wow. So that's a big factor, and I think when I saw that, it made the iPhone SE make a lot more sense to me. Right. (laughs) Because it's like, okay, well, that's why I was surprised how good of a phone they came out with at a low price point. So you mean you think they're targeting this at China? I think 100% they're targeting this at China. 
Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that works. And if it does, it'll help slow the growth. But mm-hmm. the long term, I agree with what you guys. I think that this is what happens to products. And yeah. it, this isn't just an Apple thing. It, there's the product life cycle. And once a product reaches its sat- maturity, maturity and, and the market becomes saturated, which is what's happening, people aren't buying iPhones every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that I think that it, this isn't time for Apple to start panicking, but it's it's a trend that they I'm sure they've seen coming for a long time and is... You know, I think it's inevitable. I mean, but Tim Cook was saying um, recently, you know, we are going to come out with more things that are going to just blow you away. So obviously, if they've seen this trend coming, at least according to Tim Cook, they've been making plans to blow us away with other products. I mean, Mm -hmm. so far, we haven't really seen that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the Apple Watch is great, but and I love it, but it's not blowing anyone away. I'm curious, Tim Cook also talked up the... um, Apple's services, because that's the only area where they saw growth. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, mainly because of Apple Music. Yeah, 13 million Apple Music subscribers now. But I'm curious whether um, services can be like an area where Apple can make good money or not. That's just not an area that's going to really make up for... It really depends on how, how quickly Apple's iPhone sales decline. Because you can subsidize your sales with services, but... Your net, your services are. It's unlikely that Apple Music will ever be the growth engine, or even one tenth of the growth growth engine that the iPhone was. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, you can build an ecosystem that generates revenue and try to bring in revenue from ten different sources instead of one, and that helps. But unless one of those ten sources is huge, it's not going to compare to the iPhone. I mean, yeah, yeah. When I think about how much I've spent on iPhones in the last year versus how much I've spent on Apple Music, and yeah. like you know. With the iCloud, because, of course, if you want to back up your phone, the five gigabytes or whatever free iCloud storage they give you is nothing. So with the iCloud, you know, storage I'm paying for, and with the Apple Music subscription, like, considering that they have to pay the artists, at least, you know, the little bit that the artists get, they're really not making money off me in that way, like, in any significant way. Yeah. I guess I'm just wondering, like, what amazing products... Apple could be, you know, because we hear rumors of these things before mm-hmm. they come out. And I guess Apple Car, I mean, I, I, I don't know. In my, I have two theories of products that could be the next product for Apple that is a driver. I mean, you know, Apple Watch was never going to be the revolutionary product and revenue stream that the iPhone was. Yeah. The two products that I think could be, Apple Car is one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I've written a few articles on the Apple Car and the challenges with it are, low margin so even though you make a lot per sale they're low margin and people don't buy cars that frequently so iphones Mm -hmm. you buy every two years the average car in america is 10 years old um so the other product that i think it's far maybe farther away i don't know virtual reality Mm -hmm. i see that as potentially being kind of the next wave of the next smartphone, so to speak in a product that we don't have nobody has right now and you can reach that same kind of exponential growth okay but here's my problem with virtual reality Mm -hmm. like i don't get the point of it like it seems like a game to me like how does that apply to my life in a way that makes it essential like the iphone is essential for my life you know there's a great article in wired that i just read about it that uh really convinced me uh and, and part of it is there's virtual reality which is like the oculus riff which is you know you strap something on your face and that can it 
that can't be, you can't use in your life quite the same way. But there's a mixed reality, which is overlays virtual reality with the real world. Right. Mm. And the company leading that right now is called Magic Leap. And they haven't released a product yet. So it'll be interesting to see. But I'm intrigued by that. Everybody though. in their company has replaced their computer screens and no longer uses one and is only using the Magic Leap product. So imagine that, like you might not even need a smartphone. You might not even need a computer if that you have enough amazing. processing power that you can literally like project a digital computer screen in front of your desk and work off of that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I mean, you have, you've, yeah, you've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I like the way, I mean, I really love my office mate. He, don't tell him this because we like to give each other a hard time. <laughs> But I like, I really like my office mate, but I also really like the fact that his giant computer screen blocks his blocks face his and face. I don't have to look at it while I'm working. <laughs> but to be fair, oh most people don't have as stupid faces as he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, we all really love my office mate and think he's a great guy. Um, this is years away. And so this isn't a product and this is a prom for so Apple. you can rearrange your office in the meantime. Yeah. You have plenty of time to plan. <laughs> but it, I mean, you know, that's not going to be necessarily a reason to pay for for a monitor if you don't need one. And so, you know, as technology moves, I don't know, we'll Just see so what I don't happens. have to look at someone's face. <laughs> well, there's a lot of practical reasons why a, why a monitor can be useful and a lot of practical concerns about that. And we'll see what happens. But I think those two products potentially for Apple could be... Could I'm feeling be. so bad for <laughs> I know. Thankfully, he'll never listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he listens to our podcast. He's obviously... Just not a very bright guy, not listening to our podcast. Really? But, yeah. um, I think the last point that I want to make about this, and we're, we're starting to run out of time a little bit on this topic, um, mm -hmm. is the counterpoint to all of this is Apple's earnings, you know, media is painting them as, oh, so disappointing, and they definitely declined. Their earnings were larger than Facebook, Microsoft, and I was trying, I'm trying, dang, I can't remember the third company. There was a third company combined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing is they're still a major powerhouse. Like to yeah, say I mean, they're a major powerhouse crazy. is an understatement. Yeah. I think they have something like two hundred thirty billion dollars in cash. Wow. So this this is not a great trend. Anytime you have a product that's grown for eight consecutive years and you've had revenue grow for thirteen consecutive years and it stops, it's it's a cause for concern. But Apple has plenty of time to fix this. They've seen it coming for a long time, mm -hmm. and they're still one of the most successful companies in the world. So I, you know, and I, they're probably number two or three now because I'm sure they they went down and decreased in value a little bit. But this isn't, you know, all it's it's fun to talk about the writing on the wall and whatnot. But this is years away from it actually becoming a real problem for Apple in terms of like their actual cash and business, core business, as opposed to what their stock is worth. Yeah, it really shows how much the market focuses on growth mm -hmm. because it, like the fact that all, you know any article you're reading is talking about worrying about Apple when they have, they're, they're so huge. Still strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was really, the decline wasn't that sharp. I mean, I mean, I've heard so many, like I've seen so many articles where they're talking about Apple's disastrous earnings and it's like, <laughs> we might have one, a couple like that. <laughs> but the thing is, even in years where Apple has posted amazing earnings, they're still like, is this the end yeah, of Apple? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People, that's just a good headline. It gets clicks. And mm. we'll see. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the iPhone SE was a big seller for them and they actually end up with a 
stronger than expected third quarter so yeah well and the iphone 7 i mean you know the s series they don't generally change the form factor it's not as significant of a change but the iphone 7 may surprise us in terms of more people may be interested in that than the success Mm -hmm. all right well let's go to our interview with our security expert so we'll cut over to that and enjoy guys Today, we have Bruce Schneier here with us on the phone to talk to us about security. He is a world-renowned cryptographer and chief technology officer of cybersecurity firm Resilient Systems and a fellow at Harvard's Berkman Center, so we're very lucky to have him here to talk to us today. Welcome. Hey, hi. Thanks so much for joining us, Bruce. So just to get started, what are some of the top security measures that we, as all iPhone owners, should be taking with our phones? You should have a password. Have a password, <laughs> have some authentication token, right? Make sure that if you lose it, people just can't get into it. And that's really the issue, right? If you lose your phone, it has a lot of intimate things on it. It has your Apple Pay on it. It's gonna have your email, your contacts, your calendar. It might have some important documents. So just make sure that when you lose it, you just lost the object and not the data. So good authentication and a really good backup. And maybe you could explain authentication, what you mean by that. Basically, the fingerprint reader, the password, what you use to get into this thing to make sure that your friends can't. That's authentication. And you put that to work. In terms of the password, I know Apple has an option for four-digit and a six-digit password. Does that make a large difference in terms of security if you do a six-digit or a four-digit? A couple of things going on. There, there are sort of two options. And is four digits still available? I thought they uh, depreciated that. The default is six digit, but uh, the four digit is an option that you can switch to. Right. If you're going to use four, use six, double the last two digits, you don't know what to do. I mean, six digits is going to be better. There's another feature you can enable, and that's if you type the password wrong 10 times, it'll erase itself. Mm-hmm. Now, if you about that, it's an interesting feature. If you mess up your password a lot, that can be bad, but 10's a lot. However, if you've got a friend who wants to play a practical joke on you, 10 passwords, you just erased your phone. Now, if you've got a good backup, that's okay. But so that's a feature you might think about. I don't have it enabled. Uh, Most people don't, but you could put that in. I mean, there are attacks that will try every possible combination. Uh, it takes a while because Apple has another feature where you have to try them slowly. Mm-hmm. So you can't, I mean, if, uh, six different uh, different numbers is 100,000 possible passwords. Right? That's a long time. But you could set up a mechanical computer that could do it. But these are all serious attacks. For the average person, just making sure that there's, there's a good authentication. So if someone finds it, they can't use it. And then a good backup, so if you lose it, you don't lose your data. Okay, so to, to be clear, what you're saying is the, there's a feature in Apple that allows you to set it whether after 10 failed passwords deletes, the risk of having that feature enabled is if you fail your password 10 times, or let's say you have a kid who fails your password 10 times, uh, it's going to delete your phone. The risk of not having that feature enabled is that... Uh, 
if somebody's really sophisticated, they could, over the course of probably days or weeks or months, have a computer that auto-generates passwords till it gets it correct. And, right, and this is the whole FBI issue, mm -hmm. the San Bernardino phone. The FBI didn't know whether that 10 tries in your out feature was enabled. So they couldn't brute force the phone. They were afraid they'd lose the data. Mm -hmm. And we could argue the politics of that case, but that was a technical issue. Mm -hmm. But you said personally you do not have this feature enabled? Well, I guess I should say I might or might not <laughs> in public. Uh, most people don't. Yeah. I mean, right. in case it's overkill. I try to secure this by not having a lot of personal information on it. Mm. Yeah, and that's hard. And I don't have Apple Pay enabled, for example. Now, that's a, that's a really cool feature, and it does a lot of neat things. I'm not ready to put my credit cards on my phone yet. Interesting, interesting. And what is, I mean, the risk you're worrying about there is somebody steals your phone and uses your Apple Pay, but doesn't it require uh... it, it It does require a fingerprint. You know, it, it, honestly, it's probably okay. But you're still <laughs> entering that information into your phone, your card number. and. But, you know, Apple spent a lot of time with Apple Pay trying to make it secure. You know, if you think about it, this kind of is your wallet. In a lot of real respects, this is as important as your wallet. It doesn't have your cash, but it has all my account numbers in it. It has a lot of things in it. Mm -hmm. And yours does too. So we kind of treat these as we do our wallet. So that's good. I mean, even some people have a little, you know, little sticker on the back where they put their credit card to driver's mm -hmm. license on. So it becomes their wallet. For Apple Pay, you're saying your recommendation as a security expert is you're probably okay, but personally, you think you're not quite ready personally to take that leap? Is that what you're saying? You know, I'm happy to use a credit card. It's not an advantage to me because uh -huh. I'm always going to have my card with me. Mm -hmm. If there were times when I wouldn't have my card, where it would be a problem to carry an extra thing, I would enable it. I don't see a security problem with enabling it. Okay. okay. Given that I need it, I haven't done it. Okay. See, personally, I find it very convenient to, it's, I, I have an Apple watch. So when I can tap my Apple watch instead of taking out my credit card, it's only a few seconds saved, but it's a valuable few seconds saved. That is cool. Okay. <laughs> Buying things with your watch is cool. I'm not going to argue. Yeah, about that. that is true. So a lot of people are worried about security on their phones, especially lately after the Apple and FBI issue. Um, but there's a lot of information out there that may or may not be correct. What would you say are some of the biggest security myths that people worry about that they really shouldn't? Wow, I don't know. I actually don't know what people worry about. <laughs> you know, case was, uh, it's probably not your average viewership here. Mm -hmm. What you're asking is, if you are an international criminal, <laughs> what sort of security measures should you take on your phone? Right. That's a very different question than if you are a regular person. Right. Sort of security measures should you take? And if you are an international criminal, you know, whether you are a terrorist in the US or a dissident in China, right, depending on who you are, you're either the good guy or the bad guy, and the government's either the good guy or the bad guy, the tech's going to be the same. And there's a lot more that you should do, including things like leave your phone home in certain circumstances, because you know, if you've got location turned on, it's tracking you. But, you know, for most people, this is a fine object. This is a surprisingly secure object. The rumor is that the FBI paid $1.3 million to get in that San Bernardino terrorist's phone. Now, 
If your phone is worth $1.3 million to somebody, you have bigger problems than this phone. So let's assume our readers then are not international yeah, criminals. Yeah, law-abiding citizens. What is something that maybe they're worrying about or something that you see people uh, take measures on that you think maybe they don't need to worry about? No, I think people are largely doing this right. Okay. You know, I, I want people to have, good, have a good authentication, either the fingerprint reader or a, a decent uh, numerical password, and I want them to back it up. I mean, the worst thing that happens to most people is they lose their phone and they lose their data. But lots of people I know have lost important family photographs because, mm -hmm. oh, I can do backup tomorrow. I can enable that next week. And then something happens and you've lost your data. Now, that's the main risk, I think, for most people. And, and this is hard because nobody wants to do backups. Mm -hmm. The restore after it's too late. You've got to take the time now, and whether you enable iCloud, which is going to be the easiest, or set up some backup on your computer, make sure you back it up regularly. Now, speaking of iCloud backups, uh, do you think iCloud is safe to use for people? Because there was also that iCloud hack of celebrity photos. You know, nothing is perfect. iCloud has had a pretty good record. There was that, I think, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. that famous iCloud hack of celebrity photos. Now, again, if you are a celebrity, you might want to think twice about putting compromised photos on a website. But if you are a normal person, it's going to be your family. It's going to be your friends. And, and you probably All right, have guys, photos well, that's our interview. Anyway. Thanks so much for listening. Let me give so you a few sort of things which to website? do. First of all, go to iphonelife.com Losing data is, and we'll link is such a disaster for us about. now because so many of our important so things on our phones, our computers, <laughs> and if, when the hard drive um, crashes, also, we lose go them. Also, go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips. So for the average person, should privacy really matter to them then if they don't really have anything to hide? copies that are so nice yes, to have the average person should I not run around naked. The average person should not tell their innermost thoughts to everybody they meet. And send us an email right? They should not expose their salaries, their Thanks, salaries, Thanks, their Thanks, intimate moments. I actually don't care about your sexual fantasies. Privacy is really important. It makes society work. I mean, there's a whole lot going on as we have our private thoughts, as we engage in private conversations as we could get to control who we are and how we present ourselves. Now, those celebrities who had their iPhone, iCloud photos stolen had nothing to hide, but it was nobody's business but theirs who got to publish their photographs. A really right. good example. It's not about something to hide. It's about who's in charge of disclosing what I say. And you move into countries where... The government collects data on you to try to find something to uh, convict you of or charge you with. You know with enough data something could be found. You know, we see that, unfortunately, in the United States occasionally. Mm -hmm. But having the ability to control your data is very much what, what liberty is based on. And something you don't give away likely. So, Not so, about something to hide. So now we're talking about... Uh, in terms of the typical U.S. citizen and what should they worry about in terms of what's on their phone. And there's 
there's a case that, okay, well, if you're a typical U.S. citizen and not an international criminal, you maybe don't need to worry about this stuff as much. But when it comes to privacy and the government, privacy and the FBI, should the typical U.S. citizen be concerned? Is there a larger precedent or issue at play that we should be concerned about? There's a lot of issues at play. You know, fundamentally, the, the San Bernardino case and this whole access to encryption writ large is about what can a government compel a company to do and what are the side effects? So basically, I'm going to be very broad here. Mm-hmm. There are parts of the government, Jim Comey, the FBI, wants to tell Apple, you cannot build a device like this that we can't break into if we got a court order. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we have a court order, what we're saying is the FBI talking. That's not a right to try and get the data. It's a right to succeed. Mm. So it'd be a very similar would be for the FBI to go to a paper shredder manufacturer and say, look, you can't make a paper shredder that we can't glue the pieces together with after the fact. Or maybe you have to make it with a fax machine and a fax copy to the FBI just in case. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason this matters is that this phone is being used not only to protect criminals, but to protect us, those of us who work in critical infrastructure, those of us who work for the FBI or members of Congress, that these devices secure our government, our country, so many things. And by forcing Apple to add an insecurity for the FBI's benefit, that same insecurity works for the Chinese government's benefit, Mm -hmm. cyber criminals' benefit, terrorists' benefit. Once you build a back door, lots of people walk into it. And it's funny, uh, General Hayden, he used to run the uh, NSA like a decade ago. He was uh, being interviewed, and he talks about this. When I worked for the NSA, I'd go through those back doors all the time. Mm. So as soon as the FBI gets what it wants, every phone being used by everybody in a nuclear power plant, in a law enforcement agency, in government, is suddenly vulnerable to the foreign equivalents of General Hayden's organization. Mm -hmm. And that's just Uh too dangerous. So... Speaking of encryption, you know, with this case, could you explain a little bit what what is encryption just for the in layman's terms and uh, how can we know what encryption is good enough? Because really everything says it's encrypted now. So encryption is basically secret codes and you can't know whether it's good enough because (laughs) it requires advanced degrees in mathematics. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, this is the world. So we just need to talk to people like you to know. You know whether your pharmaceutical works. You don't. You trust the doctor. Mm. Well, are there any specific messaging apps or things like that that you would recommend that are especially secure? Uh, uh, now, iMessage is great. Uh, I like that. I recommend that. If you want to use something else on your phone, use Signal. Really easy to use. It's it's in the uh, the iTunes Store. Just download and use it. It's fun. You'll you'll you know you'll feel kind of more secure. And you can do audio. I'm sorry. You can do audio and messaging with Signal. It's a third-party app. It's the app that WhatsApp was based on, WhatsApp encryption was based on. Mm -hmm. And are there any messaging apps that are particularly insecure that you think people should avoid? You know, I don't know a lot of third-party messaging apps. Okay. Mostly I use iMessage Mm -hmm. when I can. I use Signal when I want to use uh, extra security. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
one of the critical things that you're talking about is make sure you're using a password. Obviously, the password to log into your phone is going to be a, di a number that you have to remember. But many of the passwords across the internet, uh, pe people have a ton of passwords. One of the popular solutions is the password, what are they called? Password manager apps like 1Password. Uh -huh. Are those, I mean? yeah. Do you recommend using password apps like that to remember your passwords? Are they secure? Are they safe? All right, so again, devil's in the details. Uh -huh. Not a perfect secure. I have one that I, that I wrote that it's called okay. password and I use it okay. because I have to remember hundreds of passwords mm -hmm. and some of these are sites you visit once every what year, two years mm -hmm. and writing them down in a password manager is a great idea. Otherwise you're going to choose lousy passwords. So you think even though maybe there's a little bit of a risk that somebody could hack into your app, th there's a bigger risk in choosing bad passwords so you can remember them. You know, and I have my app, which is password safe, generate random passwords. I mean, basically unmemorizable passwords. They're so yeah. annoying. But that means I can use them because I can just cut and paste from my computer. And it's really convenient. So, yes, there is additional risk. I mean, I try to make password safe very secure. Uh, others I can't vouch for. But the benefits are, are, are huge. And the downside is if someone breaks into it, they get all of your passwords, and that would suck. Yeah, right. You know, you try to do a good job there and then choose a really good passphrase for the password manager. And we actually had this debate <laughs> recently about that passphrase. Uh, what do you do with that? Yeah, how do you remember that? <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I do. Okay. I try to think of a sentence. A sentence that's personally memorable to you. Mm-hmm. Right. On Christmas, Aunt Bertha always makes pie. Made that up. Hmm. And then you use the sentence to make your password. So A, on O, C, A, B, A, M, P, period. Right. There's a password, but you can mix it up. You can put a zero instead of the O. You can put three periods at the end. Uh, you could spell the word pie, P-I-E. You can spell it P-I-E and then P-I-E twice. Right? You can do things with that phrase that you remember, and that's actually pretty easy. Now, I'm willing to bet if you did that phrase a few times, you'd remember it tomorrow. And if it's a phrase that's personally memorable to you, you'll remember it very quickly. So you just recommend remembering it, not writing it down? Yeah, for, for, for the one for your password manager, because you're likely to use that a lot. Mm -hmm. I'll use my password manager every few days. So I'm constantly being reinforced what that passphrase is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I use mine, you know, probably five, ten times a day, honestly. So you'll remember yours by the end of the day. The first couple of days, then you throw it away. Mm. Right? And, if you write, and if you write passwords down, my recommendation is uh, put them in your wallet. And if you think oh, about that's idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. We already have lots of security systems involved around securing small bits of paper. We know how to do that. Money. So put this small bit of paper with your password with your other small bits of paper and secure them together. Mm. Another big concern for readers is phishing scams. You know, I mean, this is hard because a lot of it is just knowing what to look for. And don't click on emails that look suspicious. It really is the best advice. And honestly, different people have different levels of bullshit detectors. I'm very good at noticing, hey, this is, this is squirrely. I shouldn't do this. Right. If you're really concerned, 
If you have an attachment that you think is legit, aren't sure, want to open it, set it up into, uh, into Google Docs. Open it there. Right? That's a safe place to open it. Don't open it on your computer. Open it in Google Docs. That's a good idea. That's interesting, interesting. Yeah, but the, often that's a, that's a lot of work. But by and large, pay attention. And, and, and you know, you shouldn't be getting, if you get an email from your bank, you shouldn't click on the link. You should go to the website and log in there. Mm-hmm. You know, banks uh, shouldn't send you emails to click on. Mm-hmm. One thing, too, I mean, typically how phishing scams work is they, they'll send you to a URL and the, the website looks very similar, but the URL is actually different. So definitely, if you're not sure, pay very close attention to the URL that they're sending you to because it's not going to be your bank's URL if it's a phishing scam. And it's funny, if a lot of our security is based on the fact that spammers fundamentally don't know how to spell. <laughs> yeah. and, and once they get a spell checker and an editor... In trouble. Right. <laughs> Do you have an opinion on uh, iTunes versus iCloud for backups, which is more secure? I don't. I actually have no idea. Okay. Uh, if I was choosing, I would use iCloud because I think it's it's just more integrated into uh, your sort of Apple life. But I yeah. don't know. No, they're definitely diff- more convenient. Right. Mm-hmm. In both cases, you trust an Apple. And, and Apple, if they get a court order, is going to give your data to the government, and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But you know, know know that to be true. Mm-hmm. It, with the exception of, and again, this is mostly for international criminals, but with the exception <laughs> of if it's on your phone and not backed up. So if you're backing up to iTunes and not backing up to iCloud, then Apple actually doesn't necessarily have access to that to give to the government, correct? Right, like, right and stuff they have access to. In the San Marino case, they gave the FBI everything that was on that phone up until the last iCloud backup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they do that all the time. So international criminals just shouldn't back up their phones, basically. <laughs> or back them up onto iTunes. They have the same problems with problems we do. <laughs> you know, honestly, for international criminals, there's a lot of ways to get security, and there's a lot of ways to conduct surveillance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't buy the whole FBI going dark argument. Mm-hmm. I think that this is the golden age of surveillance. There are more tools than ever been before. And what the FBI is having trouble with is they don't have the expertise. Mm-hmm. In the San Bernardino case... They, they came to the court. We have no idea how to get into this phone. It's impossible. Apple has to do it. All of us security experts said, you are wrong, FBI. You're just dumb. There are ways into the phone. You just don't know them. Months go by. Oh, yeah, sorry. Someone told us to get into the phone. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Any surprise? And the FBI needs expertise, not backdoors. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So if the... Uh, what you're worried about happens and you do get hacked, what, what should you do? Try to recover as quickly as possible. You got to change your passwords and everything that might be affected. Uh, get your data. You know, try to restore your machines to factory settings. Uh, this can be hard. I mean, really, you want to find someone who knows what they're doing and have them help you? <laughs> well, okay. that's why we're talking to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but... Uh, <laughs> kind of depends on the case, I'm sure. Devils and details. Mm. But the basic basic workflow, change your passwords, first of all. Second of all, if you don't have your phone and you've lost it, then you probably want to wipe it. Right, and, and you can remotely wipe it. So there's a feature in, in the Find My Phone app mm-hmm. that allows you to remotely wipe a phone. Mm-hmm. So if you lose a phone and aren't going to get it back, you can remotely wipe that, de- that device. Mm-hmm. Well, would you also even be aware necessarily that you had been hacked always? 
Uh, it depends. You might not be. You know, if someone's seeing horrible messages on your Facebook account, you kind of have a, a, a hint. Right. Yes. I mean, the better criminals are going to try to get into your bank accounts without telling you so you don't change your account numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one question. This is more of a kind of detail-oriented question, but I always wonder this. In terms of using public Wi-Fi, is, am I at risk if I'm using public Wi-Fi? Say I'm using public Wi-Fi and I want to do online banking or something like that. Now, there is a risk, but again, it's, it's relative. By and large, you're likely safe. Okay. If you're ultra paranoid, you'd use a VPN, maybe given to you by your work, or you would uh, only bank from your home network. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends. It's going to depend on where you are, how safe you feel. But yes, there's an additional risk. Are there any other additional risks for using the mobile phone that we haven't covered that you think, okay, people really need to make sure to watch out for this thing. I think you did good. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. I think you did good too. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate you taking the time. Don't lose your phone. Thanks so much for your time. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys. Well, that's our interview. Thanks so much for listening. Let me give you a few things to do. First of all, go to iphonelife.com podcast, and we'll link to the products we've talked about, and we'll also link to the contest so you can go enter, and I will get the referral. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, also, go to iphonelife.com daily tip for free daily tip iphonelife.com slash subscribe to subscribe to our magazine and get the print copies that are so nice to have and hold iphonelife.com slash insider to subscribe to the insider and send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com thanks everyone thanks everyone thanks guys